All right, good to see you tonight, and um, always, a, again, a joy to be here at, uh, at Good Shepherd Baptist Church, and um, I don't think I've ever been um, around here in winter, you know, um, it, it really is great, I mean, I'm not complaining, but um, glad to be here this week, and, and again, I've really sensed just your spirit through the week, and in just being in your place, and being faithful, and supporting uh, the meetings this week, and I hope that uh, that you come away with a with what the Lord would have you to have. And um, and this evening, I just want to give you a thought from Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six this evening, and we'll get into the the message. And uh, I'll, I want you to know tonight that I believe that God is good. You believe that? You know, in fact, it's not just a good saying, the Bible tells us so. Nine times the, the phrase, He is good, is used to describe God. And we know that God is good even in times when circumstances aren't going as we would like them to be. And, and we find solace with um, verses like Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good to them that love God. Um, in times of difficulty, I think we often... Uh, reflect and, and are often, um, our minds are drawn perhaps to the goodness of God and we hold on to those promises of God's goodness and His good intentions and that's what keeps us going at times. Uh, the, we spoke about it last night, that we can rest in His promises and certainly He's promised that He has good for us. And um, you know, we go through times like that and, and we focus on the goodness of God. But I, I want to pause there and, and I want you to think with me uh, when God's goodness is, is in our lives and, and it's quite evident and it's manifest. And, and, and what God is about to give here to His, uh, his people in, uh, of Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is really a, a warning even to us today. It's really a warning of, of the danger of going through life and seeing and experiencing the goodness of God and taking that for granted. And you would have to admit with me this evening that, you know, God is certainly good and we enjoy His goodness to us. But there's, there's a danger in that and, and, and God preempts that by warning His people, the nation of Israel, about that as they're about to enter into the promised land. He's about to warn them, and he goes through and he says a couple of things before he gets to that. But I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and look at verse 1. We'll read down uh, quite a number of verses here this evening, but please follow along. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that, thou, that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. 
And we, we often refer to these next couple of verses in, in regard to how we ought to teach our children in the home. And he says here in verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. And you know later on that they will go in and, and certainly conquer those by the might of God, those cities, uh, in, in miraculous ways, but God enabling them. And, and they literally, they go into these major cities and they just, they just take over. They, they don't have to do any of the building. They don't have to do any of the, of the surveying and all of that and the preparation. They just move in. And, and, and God was promising them that. And, and with that, God continues on in verse 11. Houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig, which, uh, digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, and when thou shalt have eaten and be full. But then notice verse 12, then beware. So all of those good things really come from the goodness of God. Good things that He's given in preparation for them to enter into the promised land. But then there's a warning, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. Ye shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. And so tonight I want to just give you some thoughts on the, on the goodness of God and, and just some warnings that God gives us here. And, and again, let's pause here and think, you know, Often what's more dangerous for us as Christians is not the, not the times where we're needy, not the times when we're, when, when we're going through struggles, because in those times, we certainly feel our need for God. In those times, we certainly need Him, and we, we sense it, and we know it, it's a reality. But you know what often happens is when we go through times where we're comfortable and everything's good and provided for, then it's so easy to forget about God. And so actually, it's, it's often more dangerous for us as Christians when we see God's goodness and it's in our hands, it's within our grasp. You know, a, a really a better test of our Christianity is how we handle our successes more than our failures. How we handle our strength rather than our weaknesses and our abundance more than our lack. And if you think about it, in, 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 this is really evident as we look around our modern culture today. You understand that, that this, is, this is really a picture of, of, of humanity. It's in our nature to, to not, uh, not look to God in those good times. We, we really live in a, in a time, really, especially for us here in the West, uh, we have much prosperity really in comparison to the rest of the world. Uh, we have safety. We have peace. We, we see uh, different ways we can succeed in life. And yet we note 
that the opposite to that is there's a godlessness often in our society. We see a culture that's rebellious against God. We see a society that at times cringes even at the very mention of God's name being thanked. I mean, how much backlash did the prime minister get for praying publicly? And in our world today, although we see all of this blessing and all of this prosperity and all of these things that we so often take for granted as even God's people, we see that we have a culture and a society that's really forgotten who gave all of those bountiful blessings. We have a world that's wholly adept at singling God out when the bad times come and forget who He is and even denying His very existence when everything is going so well. And we can look at the world and it's quite evident as we observe around us. It's human nature. But the reality though is we as believers, we as Christians can do the same thing. We can become spoiled at times by the goodness that God shows us and we can become complacent and called to who He is while we're warming ourselves with what He's provided us with. And God warns against this as He prepares His people to enter into the promised land. See, God knows us. God knows our tendencies. And God knew His people's tendencies there to to now come into this uh, great land. And if you remember the, 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 the background to this, they were enslaved and under bondage for hundreds of years. They cried out to God in their time of need, and yet here they were at the, at the very entrance of coming into a, a land where they were going to have great freedom, great prosperity provided for them already. And God knew their tendency was then to forget who gave them the blessing in the first place. And I think there's a great lesson for us in our day-to-day. We can, in our you know, in our, in our comfort, in all of the blessing of God, forget about who He is. Forget about the one who actually gave us the blessing. And, and we're going to learn a couple of things here. We're going to see some lessons to learn from the, this passage on how to handle God's goodness. How do we handle God's goodness? Let's, let's beware. Just as God warned His people here, Israel, to handle God's goodness accordingly. And so let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the message tonight. Father, thank you again. Lord, you are a good God. Lord, you're a loving God. And Lord, we can't deny your faithfulness in your provision, your faithfulness to us daily. And and Lord, we have to admit tonight we're we're undeserving of all of that. And yet, Lord, as we we look at your word uh, tonight and we, uh, Lord, understand the warning Help us, Lord, to now apply it, Lord, in our day and help us to see perhaps a, an attitude or, or a, Lord, a, a heart condition that we might have in our day of comfort. And I pray that you'd help us tonight to, to glean some things from your word that will help us, Lord, to just sojourn through this life in a way that would please and honor you. And Lord, we pray that you'd bless the, the message, bless your word. May your name be lifted up in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so with all of that, we see in verses 1 to 5, and here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read it earlier, 
that, that he's, he's reminding them about, about who they ought to love. He, he gives them uh, uh, these reminders that the, there's these commandments and these statutes and these judgments that, that he's given them through Moses and that these were meant to be applied to, to rule their, their, uh, their domestic lives, their, their civil lives, and their worship lives. And all of these things were needful for the nation. And yet, notice as he goes down, uh, goes through all of that, he, he talks about fearing God. He talks about commanding these to our sons and to our sons' sons. But then he says that as we do it all, that we are to love the Lord our God with all thine heart, with all thy soul. And, and really, in lead up to the, the, the blessing and, and recognition of what God was about to provide, he reminds, me, he reminds them and reminds us that we ought to love Him. And here's the point I want to make. We need to love He that is good, not just His goodness. We ought to love He that is good, not just His goodness. You see, it's easy to love the goodness of God. You know why? Because God is such a generous God. You know why? Because God is such a merciful God. And those things that, that come out of that, that He provides for, and, and especially in our context here as, as Aussies, we, we see the goodness of God upon our lives. And it's easy to love the goodness of God. The people were in a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a place where cities were built that they simply occupied all that they needed to live comfortably, really, when it comes down to what was provided for. And this was a manifestation, really, of the goodness of God. But the command was given them to love God. Because God knew that people had the tendency to love the result of His goodness or the production of His goodness more than God himself. And the, the command was given them that. And, and again, the greatest commandment involves our love for God. Not the things that he has so willingly provided through his goodness. It's important that we love the one that blesses and not just the blessing. You know, it's great that, that we, have, uh, we have this building that we can meet under tonight. It's great all of the things he's provided us Today, and, and uh, no doubt, any, most, uh, probably all of you, I just uh, dare to guess, all of us here ate something today, right? Some, some of us ate way too much, and I won't point you out. But, but all of us here, we, we've experienced God's goodness, but you know, sometimes we can fall in love with the things God's provided us with, rather than the God that provided that initially. You know, all of us here tonight, we have clothes on our back. You will probably go and have a home to go to. You'll be in a vehicle that, he, that, 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 you, that has fuel in the tank, and you'll get home in a comfortable place. And, and whilst it could get chilly, you've got walls that are thick enough to keep you warm. And we could go on and on about all of the things that God has given us in His goodness. But can I remind you that we're not to love those things. We are to love the Lord our God. We are to love the one that blesses and not just the blessing. See, that our lives aren't, aren't, it's not consisting of the abundance of the things which we possess. You know, we could, we could sometimes 
measure our, uh, the, the blessing, quote-unquote, of God upon our lives based on the things that we're receiving. And yet the reality is, uh, regardless of, of how He has provided for us, He is a God who provides. He is a God who loves us enough that He gives us what we need, and we ought to be content in that. But in our contentment, let's not, be, let's not forget about the one who blesses. He, God's love for us is really the foundation of our love for Him. And see, the reality is the people of God can only love Him because He first proved His love to us. See, the nation of Israel, again, they need to be reminded of His, uh, his, 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 his rescue, His deliverance of them from the bondage that they had in Egypt. And for us as God's people, it's the redemption, again, offered through the cross. And, and God commendeth, He proved His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a great gift. What a joy that we can experience that. And yet when we look at the great cost of the cross, we often forget about the one who died for us. I love the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. See, the foundation of our love for God should not be the material goodness that we have received from Him, but rather on what He has so graciously delivered us from. You know, it, it, we, we sometimes... We sometimes find ourselves complaining about God's provision when He's provided the greatest gift of all, eternal life. Adoption into His family. Forgiveness of sin. And yet we dare sometimes accuse God of a lack of love for us when we didn't get what we wanted. You know how it is as, as a parent when you provide something for your child, what would you like them to say? Thank you. you. You'd like them to say thank you, but do they always? And parents, please don't stare at your children. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we're like the nine lepers who didn't return to say thanks for the miracle. And really what that demonstrates is, is we've, we've fallen in love with the things God does for us and provides for us more than loving the God who gave it to us in the first place. And so love, love the one who is good, not just the goodness. See, his love is a foundation of which we can also love him. Nothing, Spurgeon said this, nothing binds me to my Lord like a strong belief in his changeless, changeless love. And you see, our love for God should be an all-in and all-out kind of love. We ought to love Him for all, uh, with all our heart, soul, and strength, the Bible says. And we ought to love Him in our, in our hearts. And, and there's a great dependence that we need to have on Him. Look with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 now. And notice this repeated to us, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And uh, notice with me uh, verses, 11, uh, sorry, verses 9 to 10. And notice here, and the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land, for good. 
For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. And, in, and realize this, God loves doing good for us. He loves it. He, 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 gets, he, he, he is blessed when we are blessed. And, and he's saying there to his people, he's, he rejoices in that for the good that he's giving. In verse 10, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments, his statutes which are written in, in this book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God, notice this, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. And then now skip down to verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God. And, and here's the point. He's going he's gonna to bless the work of our hands. And it's so that we may love Him more. Not love the things more. Love Him more. And he's saying here that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give them. And, and he's saying here, have a dependence on me and there's a, there's a, there needs to be a great love for him, not for the things that he's provided us. See, the goodness that God gives in our lives should be something we thank God for. But we shouldn't love His goodness more than we love Him. You know, it, it ought not just to be a trite saying when we say, well, thank God for that. I hope there's meaning behind that. I, I hope that we truly have a heart of gratitude towards Him, not just for the things that He provides. And, and so the first thing that we learn, if we're going to, handle the goodness of God, we need to love Him that is good, not just His goodness. But notice with me, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 again. Notice what he says here in, in verses 6 to 9. We're going to handle the goodness of God. Notice what he says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And, and he already said, now these are the commandments. Now he's going to say, pass these on. He, say, he said it earlier to your sons and your sons' sons. He says in verse 7, and thou shalt teach them diligently. And he says, make it where you talk about that, that you, while you're sitting in your house, while you're walking, make it a, a part of your life. And you, you, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And and you know, those Pharisees, they literally did that, didn't they? They wanted to keep it at the forefront of, of their minds. And here's the point, as God is about to go into the warning, he's, he's, he's prefacing it by saying that all of these things. And, and here's what he's saying. He say, he's saying, make he that is good the inheritance, not just his goodness. See, all of these things, these, these weren't just for this generation of Israelites going into the promised land. This was to set up generations. This, was, this is promised them forever. This was given them for their sons and their sons' sons. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing, isn't it, for us to think about the future of our families physically. It's good for us as, uh, as men who provided for their homes to think about putting things away, right? So that our children can, uh, can have some sort of uh, head start, so to speak, and give them the, we're diligent to do that, we steward that. But what, what God's telling them is this, don't just think about passing on all of the 
physical blessings that I'm giving you, make sure that I become their inheritance. Make sure that, that it's not just the, the things that I've provided you do they inherit. Make sure that I am their portion. And, and the psalmist said that in Psalm 16, verses 5 to 6, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. Thy lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. You know why he could say that? Because his heritage was the Lord. His inheritance was the Lord. And part of the inheritance that we're supposed to pass on isn't just a physical blessing, but the inheritance of who God is. He is meant to be remembered. You know, these, these, uh, these things that we give, it, it's meant to be a, a reflection of who provided them in the first place. And it's not us. It's God. You see, there, there needs to be a, a, a passing on from generation to generation of the goodness of God, but of who God is. And the, the Bible tells us in Psalm 145 verse 4, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. You see, too often when we speak of the goodness that God has afforded us, we can come to the mode of bragging on us. What we've gotten, what we've become. And if we're not careful, the stories we're meant to tell of what God has done become stories of what we've achieved. It's good to enjoy the good things that God has given us in our lives. It's good for us to make note of what we have now and how far we've gone. But don't write God out of your narrative. Don't forget that it was His, His enabling in your life and His provision in your life. And, and, and don't forget that all of that is because of Him. It's, it's good to enjoy all of those things, but don't forget about God. Don't forget about passing his, uh, Him on as, as an inheritance to be given to your children's children. And, and how do we avoid forgetting about God in that way? Firstly, I think we need to make much of what God did, not what we've gained. You know, the cities that they've gained, it was only through God. And, and every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Remember who gave you the ability to have what you have. Remember, remember who gave you the, the provision to have what you have. See them as a gift received from a loving father. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, later on, he says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. And, and by the way, uh, church tonight, you know, if you're, you're earning an income, guess what? You're, you're in the top percentile of the world. We as Aussies are. And don't forget who gave you the power to get wealth. It's God. That he, that he may establish His covenant which He swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. So make much of what God did, not what you've gained. Make much, secondly, of who God is, not who you've become. And you know, sometimes we, we tell stories to our children and you know, it's, it's all, you're always better than you really were. You, you sort of, you know, you, you maybe you're, you, you averaged 20, but now you're averaging 55. And you know how we go in our stories sometimes. Um, but, but, you know, many times we tell those stories and, 
We tell, we tell stories of what God did. And if we're not, we're not careful, when we tell those stories, it ends up being you're the hero of the, your story. And here's what I'm simply saying. If we're going to avoid um, not passing God on as an inheritance, then we need to make much of who God is. Make the hero of your story God. Make him the hero of the story. You know, it's always, it's always a, a, bit, um, a bit cringy when, uh, when a preacher just, you know, it's always about he comes out on top. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think as Aussies, we sort of like, really? You know, we want reality. We want, we want just, you know, just the reality. We know, we know the human condition. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, sometimes we can do that in just our daily telling of our narrative and we forget that it was God in the beginning and it was God who got us through that the Bible tells us he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord and when when was the last time when was the last time church you bragged on God a little bit when was the last time you sat at home and yes you you have a, a great church and you have a, a a pastor who loves you and and wants to uh, wants to be used of the Lord to help you grow in your Christian walk. But when was the last time you just went home and bragged on God a lot? You just bragged on how good He was. You just bragged on what He did for you. You just bragged on the promises that He's kept. And when was the last time your children heard that? Because we don't want to just pass on the things. We want to pass on who God is. When was the last time you spoke to your children about how much you love God and what He's meant to you? Too often we take credit when God should get all the credit. And so, secondly, make he that is good the inheritance, not just the goodness. Notice verses 10 to 12, and we're hurrying along here. Notice verses 10 to 12. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great goodly cities which, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things. And, and he's going to go on here. He describes all of the things he's about to provide. And again, verse 12, Then beware lest thou forget the Lord. And in here simply as we, we look at this, we see here thirdly, if we're going to handle the goodness of God, we need to remember he that is good, not just his goodness. And, and again, the crux of the matter was warning of forgetting God in the good times. And it is often in the good times when we forget about God. It's in those good times. Often it's the good times when we are sailing along and, and everything's smooth sailing that, that we forget that God is there, that God brought us there in the first place. And again, the Western society we live in with all the modern comfort seems to have forgotten all about God. It's in these nations like ours where there was a, there was a heritage of the gospel and Christianity, really, if you think about it, are that, that have the most wealth. They, they've got that. Hardly anyone, though, when you go around, wants to speak about God. Why, why do we need Him? That's the question. When we've got abundance, we, we don't need God, is what they're presuming. And yet you go to different places around the world, third world countries that have such poverty, you, your heart breaks. And yet so often when you speak to them about the Lord, they're so willing to listen. 
And, and what I'm saying is we need to remember he that is good, not just his goodness. We, we can't let our abundance soothe us. You know, it can't be the thing that, that keeps us restful, as we spoke about. In Mark 4.19, the, the Bible says, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And, and, and what I'm simply trying to say is abundance can be a deception we fall for. It can be a deception. It's like the church in Laodicea, who, who in their mind they were rich and increased with goods and they had need of nothing and, and they, yet they didn't even know that they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked and they were lukewarm and they made God sick. And sometimes in our abundance, it coddles us, it makes us comfortable where we forget all about God. And we're lukewarm. And you know, at those times, God is so good to give us at times chastening. But even times where He gives us affliction. See, affliction has a way of helping us remember God. You know, times when we're just sailing along and something sort of just happens. Don't forget that, that God loves us. And sometimes he, he allows things to chasten us and then to afflict us to help us remember Him. And in Genesis 41, 51 to 52, And Joseph called the name of the, of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, He hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verses 12 to 13, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. A great king, Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked out into his kingdom and he saw what he perceived and what he said to himself was his doing, God turned his heart into a heart of a beast. And he lived in the fields and, and God humbled him. He went through affliction. Look at Psalm 119. Look at Psalm 119 really quickly. Psalm 119. And notice verses 67 to 71. It says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The, the proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. And notice verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And you know, at times when, when we're, we're basking in the goodness of God and we've forgotten who God is, at times he allows some affliction in our lives to bring us back and redirect our eyes upon him. And someone said this, whatever it takes, Lord, Keep me desperate for you because I tend to wander when I stop feeling my need for you. And too often we're like that. And so we need to remember. We need to remember he that is good, not just his goodness. But then lastly, if we're going to handle God's goodness, we need to worship he that is God, not other gods. And, and we finish our, our text here in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And notice how he finishes there. He says, ye shall not 
go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. And he's reminding them that, that as they enter into the promised land, that there's going to be other gods, little g-gods, that, that will try to usurp God's place in their lives. And, and you know, as we think about that in this context, so often the things that we get, the things that we get from the goodness of God become our idols. You know, we've got to get the latest this and that. We've got to keep up with the proverbial Joneses. <laughs> and we try to look at that and really, that's idolatry, isn't it? When we place anything above God, it's idolatry and it's, it's putting anything above God. And the issue for the people here is their tendency to worship the abundance, not the one true God. And we can be like that. We can be materialistic sometimes in our outlook. And, and, and many times we... We are, we are forgetful of God's place in our lives. And, and that's why I say this, that, that really the true test of our Christianity is what we do with, the, with our abundance. Because it's in the abundance that we're so often moving away from God. Uh, that's why I think about Job and I think about the accusation that, that the, the, the enemy uh, gave towards Job, and he said, you know, if you take away the hedge, he, meaning you take away all of his abundance, he won't worship you. And we know Job. Job was an upright man. He eschewed evil. He was perfect in his generation. We know Job was a godly man, and, and he indeed uh, was, was also a very abundant man. He was wealthy. He had influence. He had a, he had a large family. He, was, he had everything, it seemed, that uh, any kind of man could dream of. He had great abundance, but he was genuine, wasn't he, in his worship? He was genuine in, in all that, that, that God said about him. And then when he came even down to it, when all of that was taken away from him, still, Job's response was worship. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And we know this verse Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But you know, he understood that the Lord gave. And so when he had much, he still was a worshiper of God. When he had none, he still was a worshiper of God. You know what? Job wasn't in it for the abundance he was in it for God. And many times, many times, really, the true test of our, uh, of our Christian walk, of the reality of our Christianity, is really tested in the abundance. You see, we so often worship the creature more than the creator. And we need to be careful to understand that, that our worship belongs only to the one true God. Our worship belongs to Him. Worshiping God is the proper way to handle His goodness. God doesn't give His goodness to us so that we can form idols of them. He gives us His goodness so we can worship Him, depend on Him, and love Him. See, God's goodness is, is a tool to remind us, really, of His mercy. 
He says in, in 1 Timothy 6.17, charge them that are rich in this world. Notice what he says, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. See, what happens is when we have abundance, we start to trust in uncertain riches. We start to trust in, in God's provision rather than the one who gave the provision. He says, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. And, and I want to end here. Look at Romans chapter 2. Look at Romans chapter 2. Notice what he says here in, in verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. So he's saying, you know, it's, it's, it's inherent, in all of these things in man. But we are sure that the judgments of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? And, and God is a God of judgment. But then he says this in verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? And then he says, Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know, the goodness of God is meant to turn us to Christ. Turn us, turn our minds to Him. And yet, we, many of us, we don't look past the goodness to see the God of the goodness. And the proper response to the goodness of God is to worship Him, is to turn to Him in gratitude, in a realization of the great mercy that he's afforded you and I. And to fall down before him and understand that we're unworthy and we have such a good God. And you know, many times I've been guilty of looking at the things that God has given me. And they're good things. God's given me a great family. God's given us a place that we're comfortable. God's given us vehicles to drive. God's given us a great church that I'm just thankful for. God's given us people that we love, that we, we minister with. And God's given us friends that, that we, we fellowship with, that we're sharpened by. And God's given us all of that. And yet sometimes we forget that it was God. It was God who gave that. I referred to us. a... Uh, Last night, just a couple of years ago, going through some things. And, and, you know, part of that was a realization that all that God gave me, He can so easily take away. And, and, I, and I had to realize that, you know, my comfort and my joy wasn't in the situation of my life. But it had to be firmly grounded on, on who God is, who He is. See, don't let your love for God be founded on your circumstances. Don't let His goodness come between you and the one who is good. 
Speak often of what God has done and who God is to you. Make that your inheritance to pass on. Don't forget the one who gave you the ability to gain what you have in the first place and worship him and him alone. How do you handle God's goodness? By glorying in him who bestowed it upon you in the first place. Worship him. You know, when the next time you wake up and, and you understand all that God has given, make sure you don't glory in that. Make sure you glory in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight. And Lord, we are thankful again for your love, your goodness to us. Lord, we can never really fully comprehend how good you really are to us. Lord, really we can easily base it on the things that we see. And yet, Lord, if we even begin to think about all of the things that we don't see, that you've given and you've provided for and you've, you've prevented us from, Lord, we can't even scratch the surface of how good you really are. And yet, Lord, tonight we are, as human beings, so guilty of forgetting you. So guilty, Lord, of times where we worship the, the things and our worship isn't toward you. Pray you help us, Lord, tonight to just perhaps repent. Perhaps get back to that place of love to you and you alone. Help us, Father, as we, Lord, sojourn through this life, not to fall for the trap that so many and so often we've fallen for. And pray that you'd help us, Lord, tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And tonight, as we've opened the Word of God, I pray that you've been willing to listen. I'm not sure of your situation. I don't know you. I'm thankful for your faithfulness tonight. But maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart about where my love lies. God has blessed me and God is good. But many times I've not been thankful. Many times I've not shown gratitude and love like I should. Maybe that's you tonight. And uh, as a, in a moment, as the piano begins to play, I want to encourage you to just uh, perhaps come to this altar this evening and, and just do some business with the Lord. And maybe tonight you've been reminded of all of His goodness and you just need to take time to thank Him to really worship Him like you ought and, and maybe make that commitment to daily thank Him moment by moment, give Him the worship that He deserves. And maybe you're here tonight and the Lord spoke to you in other ways. And As a piano plays, I want to encourage you to just do business with the Lord. I'm going to ask pastor to come and continue this invitation. <laughs>